wow, I hope I can live up to that. <laughs> well, first of all, I also have to say happy Father's Day. And of course, I don't know if Pastor Henry and Jackie are watching this morning, but a happy Father's Day to the father of this house. And I would just like to thank him first and foremost for the honor of being able to stand in this pulpit and to acknowledge him as the father of my faith. He is indeed the father of my faith, and I would not be here today if he didn't preach the word and come to Valcom, and, and my husband didn't pray for me and keep on inviting me. So thank you to the men in my life. Amen. So would you turn in your Bible this morning, and I hope you brought your Bibles. I'm encouraging you to open an actual Bible with pages in it so that you can write in it this morning. Because I think if you will write in it, the next time you find that passage, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and bring to your remembrance what he's going to download to you today. Turn so long to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. And while you're turning there, I just want to say that the Holy Spirit dropped this message in my heart six or eight weeks ago, long before I even knew I was going to be sharing today or having the... So I know that it's a word in season. I really do. All right, you found your place? All right, from the King, Ch King James Version. My son, attend. Can you underline that word? Attend. Attend to my words and incline, underline incline, thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart, underline that, from thine eyes. Keep, underline that, in the, keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life to those that find them, and health, and many translations say, medicine to all their flesh. That's a very, very powerful word. Now, a little, about a month ago, maybe a little bit more, around about the same time the Lord gave me this message, he dropped a word into my spirit. I woke up in the morning and this word was in my heart and I knew that the Holy Spirit had given it to me during the night. And every time the Lord does that to me, and he does very often speak to me in just one word. And as I meditate on it, he opens up a whole lot of revelation and a kernel of something that he's wanting to say to me. And so I, um, one of the first things I do is I look up that word. Oh, he didn't put the title of my message up there. Anyway, he did? Do you want to guess what that word was? <laughs> Fixated. That is exactly what the word was. It was a kind of a strange word to wake up with in my spirit. But the first thing I do is I go to the dictionary and I look up what that word means. So the definition of that word is an obsessive attachment, obsessive attachment to something or someone, or to direct one's eyes towards. So the dictionary is not enough for me, so I went to the thesaurus as well. And that says to be obsessed with, preoccupied about, gripped by, immersed in, fanatical about, and hooked on. Now let's go back and read that that verse, um, let's read Proverbs one more, one more time. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all 
their flesh. So if I say my son attend, do you think I could, I could say be, be fixated on? Attend to my word. If you've ever been in school and your mind has wondered when that algebra problem is being explained, has the teacher ever said to you, hey, Lindsay, pay attention, pay attention. That's exactly what he's saying here. Attend to my word. Become fixated with the word. Incline thine ear. So that means to listen. Continuous action. Not having inclined your ear. But incline your ear every day, all the time. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. So you have to keep your ear tuned in to the word of God so that faith can come. Let me ask you something. If faith comes by hearing, how does faith leave? By not hearing. There you go. By not hearing, faith will leak out. And then let them not depart from your sight. In other words, read them. Let them not depart. Keep them in front of you 24-7. Where's your index card? Is it on your refrigerator? Is it on your mirror? Is it where you put on your makeup in the morning? Is it where you shave? Keep that word in the midst of your heart. Not just once. They cannot leave your sight. That word has to be front and center. And then he says, put them in your heart. Meditate on that word. That's how the word ends up in your heart. And remember, it needs to be in your heart, not your head. Faith is of the heart. Faith is not of the head. I don't care if you can quote it 20 times. It needs to be in here where nobody can talk you out of it. So now the words that we underlined in that first little couple of scriptures that we read this morning, they actually are a... I don't like to call faith a formula, but it is a principle by which we can receive the life and the healing that is promised to us in that verse. What happens when we do these four things? And you should know what those four things are. You should have them underlined in your Bible right now. Give the word our undivided attention. Listen to the word. Keep the word before you in front of my eyes and hide it in my heart. If I will do those things, Proverbs says that the result of that is health and healing to my flesh. As long as I attend to the word that pertains to what I, my need is, and I hide that in my heart, then it is also provision. Then it is also deliverance. Then it is also direction. Then it is also peace. I just have to make sure I pay attention to the word, read the word, listen to the word, and hide the word that pertains to what it is I need right then and there. So another way I could say this verse is fix my attention on. Become fixated and obsessed with what the word of God says about my situation. When I'm fixed on something, it means I pursue it. Has anybody ever heard the expression, he's obsessed with her? When you're talking about young love or somebody's pursuing the love of their life, they're obsessed with each other. Have you seen they never take their eyes off each other? Right? Let me ask you this. What about a drug addict? Are they fixated on where their next fix is coming from? 
They're single-minded. That's how we're supposed to live with the word before us. Absolutely single-minded. Now, if you have a casual interest in the word, if you're not really interested, if you come on Sunday mornings and you don't hide that word in your heart, if you don't keep it before your eyes, if you don't keep it coming out your mouth and you don't keep it going in your ears, well, then you're going to get the measure to which you give attention. You're not going to get the health and healing to your flesh or the medicine that you need if it's a casual attention that you give the word. Is there anybody else here apart from me hanging on and expecting a manifestation of your faith? Anybody else out here? Okay, so let me ask you this. This was a wake-up call to me. Remember, the Holy Spirit dropped this word in my spirit, and I'm just sharing with you. What are you fixated on? What are you fixated on this morning? Are you fixated on the circumstances? Are you fixated on the bill that you can't pay? Are you fixated on the doctor's report? What is it that you are fixated on this morning? Because what you're fixated on is what you're going to get. Not what you say casually when you go to sleep. Not what you say casually when somebody asks how you're doing. It's what you're fixated on, what your heart is full of, is what you're going to get. Now, for us to arrive at that manifestation of our faith, the thing that we've hidden in our heart, then the enemy, our devil, Satan, that serpent, is going to do anything he can to stop you arriving there. Because when you do, who gets the glory? God gets the glory, Jesus gets the glory, and he is once more put in the place of where he's defeated. His defeat is made known and public. So he will do anything he knows how to do to stop you reaping your provision, your healing, your deliverance. You fill in the blank, fill in the blank there. So we have to become fixated on the word. Turn to Mark chapter 5. And I've got more writing and underlining for you to do. So if you find your Bibles, I don't hear any pages. God. <laughs> All right, Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. And I am reading from the Amplified Bible. And when Jesus had recrossed in the boat to the other side, a great throng. Now, I looked up that word throng because I thought it's just a crowd of people. But it actually means to violently force your way close to somebody. With violence, aggressively push yourself in close to somebody. So a large throng gathered about him and he was at the lake shore. So can you picture this? Jesus is in the boat. He's just crossed the lake, and as he gets out of the boat, there's a throng of people waiting for him. They've probably been saying, okay, 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 the boat is coming in, the boat is coming in, he's almost here. So he's standing, he has just stepped out of the boat, he's in those little waves, lapping on the lake shore. Then one of the rulers, so this is an important man, he's one of the rulers of the synagogue, came up. Jairus by name, and seeing him, he prostrated himself at his feet. Jairus, in the sand, in the wet sand, on the waves, those little waves, worshipped. 
He got down on his knees, prostrated himself at Jesus' feet, and worshipped him. And as he looked up, he begged him earnestly, saying, underline that word, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. He spoke exactly what he believed. He'd probably been in that crowd waiting, waiting for the boat. And the moment Jesus arrived, he humbled himself. He got down on his knees and he said, you have the healing that my daughter needs. What does Jesus do? What did Jesus say to him? Not a word. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Not one word does Jesus say. And Jesus went with him, and a great crowd kept following him and pressed him from all sides so as to almost suffocate him. So there is no question here that Jesus was pressed from every single side. I don't know what that crowd were doing there, but Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. It doesn't say anybody else there asked him to pray for them. They were those looky-loos. Let me see how close I can get. Oh, maybe he's going to feed another 5,000 today and I'll be one of the lucky ones that gets that manna from heaven. Maybe, just maybe he's going to walk on water. I've heard he walked on water. Maybe he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead again. Nowhere do we see these people making a demand on Jesus. They are walking alongside, pushing, shoving, crowding in on him to see who is this man who does this stuff. But nobody pushes in by faith. And yes, and there, and verse 25, and there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, who had endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but instead grew worse. This woman had hit rock bottom. There was no plan B. There was no plan B. She'd been to every doctor. She'd been to every holistic. She'd been doctor. She'd been to every homeopath. She tried every diet that there was, and she was still sick. In fact, the Bible says she grew worse. What else was there for her to do? Verse 27, she had heard, underline that. Let me ask you again, how does faith come? She had heard about Jesus. She had heard the reports concerning Jesus, and she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment. In the Gospel of Luke, it says that she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. So get this picture here. She didn't walk up through this crowd and touch Jesus on the shoulder. Remember, that throng of people was so close that they were almost suffocating Jesus. And she touched the hem of his garment. Now, if you visualize that, where was she? She was on her hands and knees. She wasn't walking through that crowd. She wasn't walking through that crowd. But faith had come to her, and so she was going to act on it. You know, sometimes 
faith comes. And we know that we know that we know we have faith. Because when somebody asks us, it comes pouring out our mouth. When somebody challenges us, when we look and we do all the things we're supposed to do by faith, we keep it in front of our eyes, but we neglect to act on it. Faith had come to this woman. She'd heard about Jesus. But she didn't sit on her chair at home and say, if only Jesus could get to me here in my room. If only he would come here. I know that if I touch his garment, I'll be healed. She didn't do that. Instead, what she did do was she broke the Mosaic law. She got up out of her bed. She was not allowed to be in public. Any woman with an issue of blood was not allowed to be in public. She broke the law. And she got into that crowd. Now, remember, she had an issue of blood. So she wasn't strong because blood carries the red, carries the oxygen to our blood, to our, the rest of our body. And when you don't have, have a good, your blood is not strong, let me tell you, you're weak. You don't have strength. Everything is hard. Now imagine her. She pushed open the door, and there wasn't Jesus over there. There was a throng of people she had to get through. Right there and then, she could have said, this is impossible. I don't have the strength to push through here. It's impossible, but she didn't. She didn't even know have the strength to walk there. She got down. She knew if I could touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. So she got on her hands and knees and began to crawl. She began to crawl to where Jesus was. I want you to imagine this crowd of people. And you're crawling on those dusty roads. Do you think she was kicked? Do you think she was pushed? Do you think she was shoved aside like a dog? What are you doing here? Why are you on the ground? Do you think she was cursed at? Do you think she was spat at? Undoubtedly, she was not a welcome person in that crowd, but she pushed in. She pushed, she pushed, she pushed. She kept pushing. She had heard. She had heard that Jesus could heal. And then it tells us that she kept saying. She didn't say once, oh, well, I know that if I can touch his garment, I'll be made whole. It says she kept saying. That's what kept her. She was on her knees in the crowd, and she kept saying, if I can just touch his garment, I will be made well. If I can just touch his garment, I will be made well. Just let me touch his garment. Pushed over, shoved, face in the dirt. If I can just touch his garment, I will be made whole. And just as she got close to him, there he was. She could see him. She could see him. She reached out and somebody pushed her face down in the dirt. And then he was gone. In that crowd. What if she had stopped right then and said, It's impossible. I can't do it. I'm too tired. I can't take another step. But she didn't. One more time, she pushed herself off the dirt and touched his garment. And touched his garment. Do you know that right there we see Proverbs chapter 4, 
that we just read in action. We see her getting the health and healing that is promised in Proverbs chapter 4. And verse 29 says, And immediately her flow of blood was dried up at the source, and suddenly she felt in her body that she was healed of her distressing ailment. And Jesus, recognizing in himself that power proceeding from him had gone forth, what did Jesus recognize here? Faith had made a demand on the healing. Faith had made a demand on the anointing in him. Faith had made a demand on the word. Remember, he's the living word. What is your faith making a demand on this morning? Is your faith making a demand on the word, no matter what comes across your path? What is your faith making a demand on this morning? Verse 30, and Jesus recognizing, sorry, in himself that power proceeding from him had gone forth, he turned around and immediately in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Do you know this is the very first time we see Jesus say anything? And he says, who touched my clothes? He acknowledged her faith. He acknowledged her faith. He said, somebody here with faith touched me. Somebody here made a demand on me. In Luke's account, it actually says that Jesus said, somebody has touched me for I perceive that healing power has gone forth from me. There were lots of looky-loos. There were lots of, let's see if anything happens. I wonder what it's like to walk up next to the Son of God, this man who claims to be the Messiah. I wonder what will happen when hands are laid on me. I wonder what will happen if I go to Promise Church. I wonder what will happen. There were lots of those. But there was only one woman who pushed through that crowd and said, if I touch his garment, I will be made whole. I will be made whole. And Jesus instantly recognized it. The disciples chided him. Come on, Jesus. Have you seen these people around you? How can you possibly think who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Everybody. And then verse 32, he says, you see the, sorry, you see the crowd pressing hard around you from all sides and still you ask who touched me? And verse 32, still he kept looking around to see her who had done it. Jesus wanted a face-to-face -face with the woman who used her faith to receive her healing. He wanted a face-to-face. -face. He wanted to see her who had touched his garment and made a demand on his faith. Verse 32, but the woman, knowing what had been done for her, though alarmed and frightened and trembled, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Why was she frightened? Why was she alarmed? Why did she tremble? Was it because she was afraid of him? No, the fear of God had just fallen on her. 
He is the one he says he is. He is the healer. And verse 34, and he said to her, daughter. Notice he addresses her as daughter because she, was a, she had a covenant right to healing. Your faith and trust and confidence in me, springing from faith in God, has restored you to health. Go in peace and be continually healed. It's never coming back, guys. It's never coming back from your distressing bodily disease. Wow, what a testimony. But what happened to Jairus? Remember, he was the one who had interceded for his daughter. He was the one who had Jesus' attention. And then this woman, this woman had come in and drawn Jesus aside. And while he was still speaking to this woman, there came from the ruler's house some who said to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother and distress the teacher any further? I can almost hear the mocking in their voice. I don't hear sympathy. They didn't gently come and say to him, it's too late. Your daughter's died. No, they said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Don't distress him anymore. Can you imagine if you were Jairus, what happened in that moment? You had it. You had it. By faith, Jesus was working in your situation. He was on his way. And then news came and said, too late. She's dead. She's dead. You see, just like Satan had done everything he could to try and stop that woman receiving her healing, he was hell-bent I'm trying to get Jairus not to have his daughter healed and raised from the dead. What does Jesus do? Verse 36. Overhearing, but ignoring what they said, the news, the bad news that contradicts Jairus' faith. Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, here we see Jesus speak again, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. And then he says something really, really important. Only, here's the only thing you have to do, Jairus, keep on believing. That means that Jesus knew Jairus had faith. He knew Jairus believed. And he says to him, don't let go now. Don't let go now. Keep on believing. He recognized him. He says to him, Jairus, don't let go of your faith. It was so important that right then, Jairus didn't let go and say, don't worry, Jesus, it's too late. She's dead now. He had a hold on. Don't ever, 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 ever let go of your faith no matter what the enemy says to you, no matter what the enemy brings across your path, don't ever let go of your faith. Jesus says to you, don't be seized with alarm. Don't be seized with fear. Don't stop believing. Verse 37, and he permitted no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John and the brother of James. Never allow doubters to accompany you on your faith journey. 
kick them out. They will destroy your faith. Don't allow them near you. And don't tell them what's going on in your life. Don't do it. 38. When they arrived at the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he looked carefully and with understanding at the tumult of the people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had gone in, he said to them, Why do you make an uproar and weep? The little girl is not dead, but sleeping. Oh, did we just catch Jesus in a lie? Or was he guarding his words? Just like he tells us to, Jesus protects the words that come out of his mouth. And they laughed and jeered at him. And don't be surprised if people laugh at your faith. If they jeer and say, you're crazy. But he put them all out. He turned unbelief out of that room. And taking the child's father and mother and those who were with him, he went in where the little girl was lying. Gripping her firmly by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which translated is, Little girl, I say to you, arise from the sleep of death. And instantly the girl got up and started walking around, for she was 12 years old. And they were utterly astonished and overcome with amazement. And he strictly commanded and warned them that no one should know this. And he expressly told them to give her something to eat. The devil clearly tried to stop Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood from receiving what they had already believed. They'd already believed it. They'd already received it by faith. And yet, the devil still stopped. They had heard the word. They had spoken the word. And they were acting on the word. And yet, right there, the devil tried to come in. You see, Satan will always attack you in the realm or in the arena of the natural he doesn't attack your spirit because he can't get in there. He can't attack you in here. This is where God's divine presence is. But he'll bring you news. He'll bring you something that you can see. He'll do anything. He uses sight, hearing, and touch. He'll make that pain so bad that you feel you can't stand it another day. That's the devil. He wants you to turn your eyes. He wants you to let go of your faith. That's his objective. Don't fight the devil in the natural arena. We cannot win there. We can only win in the supernatural arena of our spirit and with God's faith. This was Satan's last opportunity to stop them. So he sent bad news to Jairus. So he had that woman with the issue of blood, covered in dirt, spat on, cursed at, fallen. Were they going to stop? How many obstacles did these two people have to overcome to actually lay hold of the manifestation? How many obstacles did they have to overcome? What would have happened if the last time she reached out, she decided it was too hard? What if Jairus had opened his mouth and said, 
don't worry, teacher, it's too late. She's dead. They both had an opportunity for their faith to be shipwrecked. Both of them could have shipwrecked their faith right there. And Satan will do anything this morning, let me tell you, to stop you receiving your healing, to stop you receiving that provision, the wisdom, the deliverance, the peace, the stuff that you know Jesus paid the price for, the thing that you've already received by faith. See, John 10.10 says, the thief comes to do what? Steal first. That's the first thing. People like to say kill, steal, and destroy. It's not. It's steal, kill, and destroy. And the thing he wants to steal from you is the word of God. If he can steal the word, then he has a legal right to kill and destroy. Wow. Wow. If he can steal the word out of your heart, out of your mouth, out of your eyes, out of your ears, he can legally kill and destroy. Both the woman and Jairus had to leave their place of comfort. Jairus had to leave his dying daughter, go and wait on the lake shore for a boat that was coming in so that he could grab Jesus' attention. Wasn't easy. The woman with the issue of blood didn't sit on her bed and say, if only Jesus could get here. She had to get up and she had to walk out in a crowd that she knew would despise her. Remember that the attack from the enemy will always come in what you can see, what you hear, and what you can feel. That's why Proverbs deals with all of those things. That's an emergency alarm. <laughs> and so this, at the end of this, here we are. This is where that word fixated comes into this message today. This is where it comes into the picture. This woman was so fixated on Jesus and touching his garment that nothing dissuaded her. Nothing stopped her in her tracks. Not one thing. Jairus was so focused that when they came with bad news, he bit his tongue. He didn't say a word. Jesus said, just keep on believing. And he was able to, <clears throat> all of us could do with a bit of duct tape over our mouths sometimes. Every one of us, all of us, yeah? So often, all of us on this faith journey, all of us who call ourselves members of the promised tribe, who know that we're supposed to live by faith because that's how we please him, right? We all know how to get faith. We all know how to hide faith in our hearts, but we never take into consideration the attacks that are going to come. We say, I got it, I got it, I received it, it's mine, nobody's coming to take it from me. And we don't count on the fact that the devil is going to tell you tomorrow with another test, uh, sorry, I got you, I got you, you thought you received, but look what this doctor says. Or the bill that comes, or the washing machine that breaks down, or the child that calls you and says, you know that God you serve, I want nothing to do with him. 
We don't count on the attacks he will bring, not against us, but against our faith and the word that is hidden in our heart. God wants us to be single-minded, fixated, obsessed with his word. Because when we're obsessed with his word, the enemy cannot bring anything to distract us. I visually think that those distractions that woman with the issue of blood had were like flies. Get out of my way. I'm going somewhere. They were so um, peripheral to her that they were nothing but flies that she just flicked off. Let me tell you something. On the other side of fixation, on the word of God, on the other side of faith, is the healing you're believing for. On the other side of being fixated on Philippians 4.19 and the fact that God supplies your need is every need met. On the other side of you and your whole household will be saved is your child who comes in and bows their knee to Jesus. On the other side of the fixation on the word of God is the answer that will manifest. But you have to be completely and utterly fixated. Why, why does the enemy want to bring, at the end of the day, the last thing Satan wants is Jesus getting the glory. The last thing he wants is for everybody to know uh, that the humiliating defeat was in fact real. He is conquered. He is defeated. That's the last thing he wants people to know. So I'm going to go through, I, I was amazed, I could have found another 10 scriptures that pertain to what I'm going to finish off this message with this morning. We have to be fixed. A double-minded man receives nothing of the Lord. What is the fixation on the word of God? Because it's only when you are so fixed on that word that nothing, nothing can pull you aside that you can take it to the bank. I have it. It's mine. Only then. So what does the word of God tell us to do? In case you're wondering, how do I actually do this? What does the word say? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. This is what the Bible tells us. Looking away from all that would distract to Jesus. He knew distractions would come. He knew they would come. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, stand fast then, do not be hampered and ensnared and submit again to the yoke of the, yoke of slavery. <laughs> yes, he's speaking about the law there. Paul is speaking about the law. But who's the one who enslaves? Satan, right? Satan's the one who enslaves. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, or immovable. Be steadfast. He knew 
the devil would come in and try and move you off the word. He knew he would. What did the apostle Paul say? And none of these things move me. Not prison, not beatings, not shipwreck. None of them move me off the word of God that I am preaching. None of them. Hebrews 10, 39. Let this be said of you. We are not of those that draw back. Let that be what the Lord writes about you. Isaiah 50 and verse 7. Who knows what a flint is? A flint is a rock on which we sharpen things. It's an immovable rock. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Let me tell you something. You will not be disgraced or ashamed if you keep your face like flint. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know I will not be ashamed. 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. they temporal. Can you see it? Can you touch it? Can you smell it? It's temporal. It's temporal, temporary, if you will apply your faith. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Galatians 6, 9 is a promise for you. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap. Doesn't stop there. If we faint not. If we faint not. Can he get you to faint today? Say, not me. <laughs> He's not going to get us to faint, right? Hebrews 10.35. Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence. Why should you not do that? Because it carries a great recompense or compensation of reward. There's a great reward if you will not fling away your confidence. Smith Wigglesworth, that great apostle of faith who raised 23 people from the dead, 23 people from the dead, said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I am moved by what I believe. That's what he said. Can we be like that today? The last scripture we're going to look at today and I hope this is the one that just solidifies what we've been saying today in your spirit. If you take nothing else, take this scripture and know that within you is the power to cause the enemy to tremble and for you to cause him to flee. It is from Philippians chapter 2 and verse 28. I want you to think of this as Jesus speaking to you. And do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. He says, don't be frightened. Don't be intimidated by your adversary. Don't do it. For such constancy, what? Not being intimidated and fearlessness, not being frightened, will be a clear sign, a proof and a seal to them of what? Their impending destruction. When you're immovable, they know their destruction is nigh. They know it. But it will be a sure token and evidence. Remember, 
If you're not moved, it is evidence of your deliverance and salvation from God and of their destruction. Don't be intimidated from your enemy. He's a toothless lion roaring, trying to make you quit the word. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to steal the word from you because if he steals the word, he can come in and steal, kill and destroy. He can do it if you give up the word that you're holding on to. That word is your anchor. Don't let it go. Don't be intimidated. Your fearlessness is evidence to him that his days are numbered, of his impending destruction. Your response to what the enemy brings to you is a clear message to him. If you are in fear, he knows he's one. Find the joy, find the fearlessness, fixate on the word, and he knows he's a hopeless case. He may as well leave you alone. Keep your eyes fixed, fixated on where you're going. Be obsessed with what the word of God says about your situation. Don't be moved. Be fixated. And I promise you, based on the word of God, that your manifestation is just around the corner. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if anybody's ready to put their faith, did those songs just prepare us this morning? It was as if I was like, gosh, they're pre preaching the story. <laughs> they are saying everything. If you're ready to put your faith into action this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you want to know the God who's in your corner that you can fix your eyes on just like the rest of this tribe, come forward this morning. There's somebody from our team that'll pray for you. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you've been wondering why you haven't been able to, today is your day. You will. If you need to put your faith with anything today, come and somebody from our amazing team will pray with you and you will be set free. Other than that, you are, Cindy, I can let, you are um, dismissed. Thank you. Ministry team, please come forward, and the rest of you are dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you.